Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. How are we doing? Are we all well? Enjoying the weather today? Oh my goodness. Wow, when I opened the front door this morning, knocked me back. All right, so um, my name's Adam. I'm uh, kind of one of the team that serves here at uh, Sunny Hill Ferndown. And obviously for the last four weeks, we've had uh, Dom, our lead pastor, Sunny Hill lead pastor here. Um, but no, you're back to me. I'm really sorry. That's what I want. <laughs> Yay. I'm back. I'm back. And I've been saving up all my messages and I'm going to give them all today. I've got so many in me. <laughs> So we started this new series, Resilience, and I've put a little strap line underneath, Finding Strength When Life Sucks. Because, you know, sometimes life just sucks, doesn't it? Let's be real about this. Stuff happens, and we need uh, more resilience. Because actually when I was thinking about this, there's this phrase that kept going through my head, which was this phrase, everyone has a breaking point. We all have a breaking point. It's kind of conventional wisdom. And um, if you imagine like a a rubber band being stretched and stretched and stretched, we can feel like that sometimes. And we know actually just going to take a couple of more pounds either side and it's going to snap. And we can feel like that because we all, like a rubber band, we all have a breaking point. And countless movies also tell us that everyone has a breaking point. You've probably seen uh, that scene where there's a baddie who strapped the goodie into a chair. He's tied him all up and he starts to monologue. He's, the goodie's not giving away the, the secret formula that's going to destroy the world. And the baddie's there with his cat because all baddies have a cat. And a, yes, yeah, a laser. A laser in space. <laughs> and he says, Mr. Bond, you will talk. Oh. Because everyone has a breaking point, Mr. Bond, or something uh, like that. It's a spy movie cliche, but it's, but it's truth. We all come face to face with suffering. We all come face to face with difficulties or, or trouble that is actually too much for us to handle. Um, at some point in our lives, we come across that. Sometimes this trouble is self-inflicted. Sometimes we make decisions that are not the best decisions. But sometimes it's not self-inflicted, it's just a natural course of events and, and we could be making the best decisions in the world and still find ourselves in a big heap of trouble. Because trouble happens. So I've actually called this message today and I really like this title. Here comes trouble. Welcome to church, here comes trouble. <laughs> nice. Um, I went and saw a movie this week um, you may have heard of it. It's called, uh, what's it called? It was with Tom Hanks in it, A Beautiful Day in the, in the Neighborhood. And I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's a really interesting film. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's not an action film. It's not like a Marvel cinematic thing. It's just, it's quite a character piece. And it's about uh, a guy called Mr. Rogers, 
who is a true guy, a real guy, who in America, he ran a TV series for preschoolers for kind of two to five-year-olds, and he ran this series for 32 years um, in America. And whereas, you know, you've kind of got Sesame Street on the one hand, we've all heard of Sesame Street, and they were um, all about, uh, you know, uh, getting the kids ready for school, like teaching them letters and numbers. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was his program. It was all about the emotional well-being of the child. It was, I mean, it's really amazing. And since I saw this film, I've been putting it on for our little preschool, our Eliza. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I, I get you to check, get you to check it out. And one of the things he says in real life and in the film, there was this quote that I just wrote down. He said, there is no normal life free from pain. There is no normal life free from pain. And Interestingly, he, this Mr. Rogers character, he was a minister, he was a Christian minister, and he, wanted, he felt like he really wanted to speak into, into, into uh, children's psyche and well-being. And so he deals with things like divorce and death and, and real big issues, but to preschoolers. Check it out, really interesting. And um, that's what he said. Another extremely wise person, Jesus, um, said the following statement to his closest disciples. He said... Uh, in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. So that's a pretty helpful clue about what we should expect. In this world, so where we are now, where we're living now in this world, there might be a day, a world later on, heaven perhaps, where we won't have trouble. But now in this world, you will, that's like you and me, all of us, everyone, have trouble. We're going to come across trouble. A different translation of the same sentence, a different Bible version says, in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. In this world, you will have trouble. Maybe you were expecting something different. Maybe you thought, like I know a lot of people do, that becoming a follower of Jesus Surrendering your life to him makes you immune from troubles and difficulties that life in this world brings. Perhaps you thought, or maybe even you were told, I've heard you know, speakers and Christian ministers say uh, that, well, oh, you just make a decision for Jesus and all your life, you become free of trouble, in order, you have perfect relationships, you have only ever have uplifting conversations, you have no health issues, no bills, no anger, no sadness, no more jealousy, no more temptation, no more impure thoughts. How's that working out for you? Yeah? Not so much. Probably the same as it's working out for me. I've even heard Christians misquote one particular scripture quite regularly uh, uh, that says, God is not going to let you face more than you can handle. I've heard that a lot in church. Not true. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture that they use uh, actually says uh, this. And God, sorry, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it so it's a verse that's talking about temptation really not about life's troubles and it's actually saying you are going to face temptation I'm not going to take that away I'm going to I'm not going to let you be more temptation than you can bear 
But you're going to face it. You're going to have to endure it. Endure is the word used there. If we didn't face trouble beyond what we could handle, how would we grow? How would we grow? How would our faith in God develop? How would our relationships with other, with each other, go deeper? In fact, the Apostle Paul um, had this to say about a particular trouble that he faced regularly. He kept facing this. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Sorry. Three, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So the Apostle Paul, the giant of faith, this is the man who wrote well, half of our New Testament or certainly you know, he wrote the majority of it. He wrote, he said, three times. I was facing this difficulty and I asked God to take it away from me. It was, it was kind of more than I could, I could bear. It was too much, too much trouble. We've all been there. We've all been there. But following, following on from that, um, Paul writes, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So when Paul pleaded with God to take the trouble, the difficulty away from him, God didn't say, yes, zap. He said, no, you're going to have that. But my grace will be sufficient for you to handle it. With me, you can handle it. By yourself, you can't. But with me, you are strong enough to handle it. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Wow. So God, I'm not only are we not immune from trouble, he's not going to simply take it away from us. So what do we do then? What do we do with the difficulties and the troubles and the disasters and the frustrations that we do face? Well, that's what this series is about. We're going to be in this series from now until Easter. And I really feel like God laid it on my heart because he wants us to grow in this area. He wants me to grow and I think he wants you to grow in resilience. He wants us to build resilience so it's not so much about what to do when the mess hits the fan <laughs> proverbial fan you know it's not it's it's I mean that is part of it but it's more about how can I put things in my life how can I build a stronger foundation so that when it does hit I'm not going to crumble but I'm going to stand and stand strong and there's a few things that we can do, and we're going to be looking at week, week by week. We're going to be looking into that. So we're going to be in a position where we can handle life's troubles more effectively. Resilience. Resilience is such a great word. I think it's so underused. Uh, we often in church, we hear words of love and faith and hope and courage, but not so much resilience. But as a concept, it's found throughout the Bible. It's found in, in, in uh, characters of the Bible, in the heroes of faith, it's uh, in the teachings of the Bible. The actual meaning of the word resilience is, um, oh, Jays, would you mind moving us forward one? The, or Grace, please. The ability to more easily recover and bounce back during potentially damaging or difficult events. So it's strong, not easily damaged by being bit stretched or squeezed. I don't know if you've been bitten <laughs> recently, but um, resilience gives us the ability to be strong and to easily recover and to bounce back. So the great news is Jesus, the guy who said, in this life you will have trouble, 
had some other things to say. In fact, right before and right after that very sentence, there's some amazing uh, things. So let's just look at that. Uh, He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So he wants us to have peace. And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But, but, take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's what we need. There's this but in the middle. There's a great, big, beautiful, important but right there that we need to hear, okay? I love, I was going to say I love a but, and I cannot lie. No, I'm not going to go there. When I left university, when I left university as a fresh-faced, young uh, and naive 21-year-old, my very first job was for a bank in the centre of London, uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, in London's financial district. And it was at the point in time where 24-hour personal banking was just about starting, uh, but not many people had the internet at that point, so they were encouraging people to do their banking by telephone. 24 hours banking by telephone. And it was my job to be uh, with a headset on, talking to people about their bank accounts, on the other end of the phone, uh, you know, giving them the balance, moving stuff around, setting up standing orders, that kind of thing. Um, my job was to answer the phone in a courteous manner, help the customers with whatever they needed. Uh, so, in fact, the very first day of training, we had, we had two or three weeks of training, uh, all the trainees were taught the following statement. We were taught to say, certainly I can help you with that. They, I remember the, the guy doing the training wrote it up on the, on the whiteboard, certainly I can help you with that. And we were taught that this phrase should be used at every conceivable opportunity within every telephone call. It was a statement designed to leave the customer feeling looked after and in control. Certainly I can help you with that. And, and so I know what you're thinking. What if the customer were to ask something that you couldn't actually do? And it's a great question. It's a question that I asked the person training. I said, well, what do we do when they ask us to do something? He said, well, you say, certainly I can help you with that. So, uh, and then you would kind of put in some, uh, not in positive language as possible, well, you couldn't do it. But you'd start off by saying, certainly I can help you with that. So the, the conversation would go something uh, like, um, uh, here we go, uh, I want you, so they would say, I want you to refund the charge you made to my account. <laughs> to which I would say, certainly I can help you with that. However, no, and here's the thing, we weren't allowed to say but, because but is not a sexy word, is what they would say, but is a harsh word. You say, however, because it's nice and soft, and you say, however, and then you'd give all the reasons why there was no way on God's green earth that they were going to get a refund of the charges back in their account. Uh, However, never, never use the word but, and this was drilled into me over all the training, and then for the next three years as I was on the job, I used that phrase, and I never used the word but, and you know, for hundreds and hundreds of telephone calls every, every week. 
And so I got to a point, and I still am in my life, whenever I hear that word but or, or see that word but written down, it sends a jolt in me. It's like a slap in the face for me. It's like, oh, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Uh, however, it's much softer. But then in the Bible, we've got all these great, fantastic, beautiful, important buts. We've got some amazing buts in the Bible. There's this one. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Just a couple of other um, but sentences. For I am the least of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Next slide, please, Grace. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. There's some great buts. Well, in every case, it starts with a premise, a truth, a weighty and perhaps even troubling concept. This is how it is. This is the hopeless mess I'm in. We are deserving of God's wrath. We are messed up sinners. And then there's this word but that acts like a, a fulcrum. Um, if you imagine, I know I've probably used this um, story before. Imagine a, a seesaw. Um, when I was a child, we'd go to the park as a family and my big sister Katie, who was a bit mean to me, she would, she would invite me. That's my sister Katie right there. Um, uh, she would invite me onto the seesaw with her. And because she was older than me, I would be on one end. She would sit at the other end. She would make it go. And I would be dangling up in the air. And she would just hold me there and leave me there. And I would be, I'd, yeah, exactly, right? I think I'm over it, just, maybe. Um, but my legs would be down. I would be totally stuck. I can't get off because it's too high. My legs are too short. I'm stranded. I feel out of control. I'm upset because I can't get down. And she is sitting on the other end, grinning, grinning up at me because she's got all the power. But, but then my dad or my older brother or sees what's going on. And he comes over and he doesn't, he doesn't shout at Katie he doesn't tell her off. He doesn't, he doesn't ball her out. He just comes and he sits on my end of the seesaw with me. And now this game is fun. <laughs> and now I like this game. This is a good game. And you know what? That's what a big butt does. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a big butt does. You're at one end of the seesaw. The weight and the troubles of this world are at the other end of the seesaw and you're feeling out of control. You're left dangling. There's trouble heavier than you can handle. It's an impossible situation. But then your dad notices, your God, your God, your father notices and he comes and sits with you on your end of the seesaw. It's amazing. And suddenly, you can handle it. The trouble, it's there. But now you can handle it because you've got some, someone on your side. Someone on your side. 
So in that scripture that I mentioned at the start, where Jesus is letting his followers know that they should expect trouble, it's a theme that's repeated again and again throughout the whole of Scripture. Every single one of the giants of faith that we read about in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Joseph, and Gideon, and Ruth, and, and uh, Samson, and David, and Isaiah, and Jonah, and Peter, and Paul, and Jesus even. These guys were not Muppets. They didn't have weak or ineffective faith. They were heroes of faith. They accomplished amazing things. They were close to God. And yet they all experienced really tough and difficult trouble, just like we do. Sometimes they even faced trouble that they'd made for themselves. Sound like your life? Does that sound like your life? Definitely sounds like mine. So this series is an encouragement to all of us. Not to try and spend your lives avoiding trouble. This may be a new, new information for you. We don't, we're, I think sometimes, and I know this is true of me too, we have this idea that when I'm in a difficult situation, my life, that's not life, that's my life on hold. And I need to get back out of the difficult situation, back to the sunny skies and cloud free and the sun shining. That's not true at all. Life, life is good and difficult. It's both. Life is filled with both elements and we don't need to avoid or, or, or feel like we failed when we're in that difficulty, when we're in those difficulties, when we're facing trouble. Yes, of course, there are wise and foolish decisions and I, you know, I would encourage you to make good decisions. We need to do that. But the truth is, as I said, we can make great decisions and we will still face trouble and that's okay I wonder if we just need to get a bit more comfortable with that maybe we need what we need is not less trouble but more peace because we can have peace even when there's trouble maybe what we need is not fewer problems but a stronger foundation yeah maybe what we need is not not a difficulty free existence but but greater resilience greater resilience the ability to bounce back the ability to face those troubles and say the guy on my end of the seesaw makes me strong enough to handle what I'm what I'm facing right now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I can do all things I can face anything through Christ who strengthens me Xander would you mind coming up so I want to finish today's message. It's kind of been a, a more of an introduction, but I wanted to give you something concrete to take home for this week that you can say, yeah, if I put this in my life, it will build resilience. And I want to remind us of one of Jesus' most famous stories. It comes right at the back end of um, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been teaching these amazing principles. He's been challenging kind of old religious ideas. And he's been giving them kind of new, you, you've heard it said this, but I tell you actually something new and something different from what you think. You need to think again about some of these things. He's been giving all this great teaching. And at the very end of this sermon, um, he tells this short parable. And we find it in Matthew chapter 7. Can we just go back one? He starts off by saying, 
These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. Jesus' words, Jesus' teaching is powerful. It's effective. It will not return void. It will accomplish all that it's sent out to do. In in the Bible, Jesus' words are the most important. We need to know them. We need to work them into the fabric of our lives. And when he says things like, you need to forgive people, it's not just being nice. When you forgive people, it will change your life. It will make you more resilient. When he says, love your enemy, it's not just being nice and okay, I've got to make myself a doormat. You say, no, no, no. This will change your life. If you can get to a place where you love the people who don't like you, that will change everything. That's a game changer. When he says, keep your tongue from speaking evil, that's a game changer. That will change your life. That will make you more resilient. If you can keep control of your tongue. When he says, don't gossip about people. That will change you. That will change you from the inside. It will make you not only a nicer person, it will change you. It will make you more resilient as a person. When he says be generous with the resources that you have, that's a game changer. That will change you. That will, When you become generous, when you start to open up your hands, as Don was talking about last week, when you start to let go of what you've got, rather than holding a fist like this, When your hands are open, you can face those financial troubles. I know. It's it's backwards wisdom. It's not what the world will tell you, but it's true because I know I've experienced it. When he says, pray for those who persecute you, it's not just a fridge magnet. (laughs) This is words that will change your life. They make a difference. These words are not incidental additions. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. And he goes on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter or a builder who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. I love that. In this life, you will have trouble. It's not if, it's when. And this parable doesn't say that the wise builder made himself in a position where he no longer had to face any trouble. In fact, quite the opposite. The wise builder expected trouble. When we're wise, we expect it. And um, he knew trouble was coming. He prepared for it. He thought to himself, in this world, I will face trouble. I know that the storms are going to hit me. Right now, it's peaceful, actually. Right now, I can see for miles. Right now, it's hard to imagine any trouble at all. My uh, kids are doing well at school. My marriage is in a great place. I love my work. I'm getting on with my friends. My bills are paid. But I know it's not always going to be like this. So I'm going to build a foundation that when that storm hits, it ain't going to rock me. I'm going to be solid. I'm going to be, I'm going to stand I'm going to stand. I'm going to build my life on the rock. The parable goes on. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, don't work them into your life. 
You are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Both carpenters faced trouble. The second builder looked at things a little differently. He saw the same view as the first builder. Yeah, maybe my kids are doing well, my marriage is great, I love my work, my bills are paid and all that, life is great. And then he said, I think it's always going to be like this. I think I'm not going to need any help at all. I'm never going to face trouble because my life is like this always. What happens to that guy? Trouble hits. The storms come. And he's built his life on the sand. So, and I love this. It's not just about reading the Bible, which we should all do. I love reading the Bible. We should all do it. And I would encourage you. It's about applying it to our lives. Putting it in practice. Doing those things that Jesus said to do will make us strong. A trouble-free life is not the norm. Trouble, here comes trouble. Trouble is coming. It's coming. If it's not already here, it's coming. And maybe you're sitting in a place right now where you're in the middle of it. When you're in the middle of that heap of mess. God is with you. God is with you. There's no kind of false human platitudes I'm going to give you by saying, oh, it'll be okay. God is with you. And in God, with God, you will have the strength to overcome. But maybe there's some things you can put in your life to help you. Reading the Bible, applying the words of Scripture, making them real for you. Making them real. It will change your life. God's words applied to our lives creates resilience. Creates resilience like a house built on a rock. I'm just going to pray. Lord God, I thank you for this great family of people. I thank you that they give and they serve here and they come here and they bless each other and they serve one another. God, and I know that you see that. And I also know that in this room, there are people facing real hard, difficult things. I pray that you would make yourself so known to them. You would make yourself known, make your peace known to them. Make the, I pray that they would really know that truth and they would take heart because you have overcome the world. And the troubles that, there's no trouble that any of us face that's bigger than you, God. That's bigger than your peace. That's bigger than your hope. That's bigger than your joy. And I pray for this series, God, as we explore scriptures together as Fru and Steve and myself, as we unpack scripture, that we would uh, find ourselves getting stronger and more resilient and ready to face whatever life or the devil throws at us, God. And I pray for more wisdom. I pray that you say that if we need wisdom, we just need to ask. And on behalf of all of the people hearing now and on behalf of all the people listening on the podcast, God, I pray for more wisdom, that we make the right choices, that we, that we are able to build resilience by making good choices. And I pray that as we read Scripture, God, that you would help us, the Holy Spirit would help to bring us to our memory those Scriptures that we need to hear, that we would 
learn them and be able to memorize them and be able to apply them in very real ways to the circumstances that we're facing. We love you, Lord. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.